I'm spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Welcome to a new spin on autism. Answers with host and international speaker and performer, Lynette Louise. Besides working on her doctorate in psychophysiology, Lynette has raised eight children, six adopted, and four of them falling somewhere on the autism spectrum. Laugh with her, cry with her, as she talks to both experts and parents and takes you through the often confusing, sometimes frustrating, sometimes overwhelming, but always fascinating world of autism. Hello and welcome. This is a new spin on autism, Answers. And I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host. And this is the place where we use stories and analogies and metaphors to boldly go where no host has gone before in the world of autism. We come up with stuff. We get answers, or at least (laughs) until the next question comes along. Okay, so I'm so glad you're here with me today. I'm always glad you're here with me, and I'm especially glad you're here with me today. It's kind of a subject close to my heart. I'm going to call today's question and answer are all the answers in the brain, and can it think when it's inflamed? And let's begin. Oh, just don't, don't forget, by the way, we're going to have the okay, 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 great guest giveaway after our original guest. And beyond that is stories from the road. It's really important that you be aware of stories from the road because I'm going to do the stories from the road setup. It's going to sound actually like a story from the road, but it's not. It's a story from the road setup right now. Okay, I was in India. And while I was in India, I was working with a new family. I hadn't worked with them before. Lovely family, gorgeous little girl who liked to sing, of all things, Dominica Nika Nika, because I thought, you know, great, let's teach her French. I don't know how that happened, but anyways, we had a great time. She was a seizure-disordered kid. Um, it was a wonderful outreach. Mom and I went out for dinner on the second night that I was there. I was going to be there for four or five nights. And um, on the second night that I was there, we went out for dinner, and it was a lovely dinner. You know, it was sort of an outdoor patio thing. And we walked home, and if you've never been to India, at least in this part of India, um, on the walk home as the sun set, all the dogs came out. It was really scary. You know, you're not worried about being mugged. You're worried about being chewed. So (laughs) we had to find lighted areas to walk home in, and it was quite adventurous. And we said goodnight, and I was to see her daughter the next day, which I did. And close to the end of the day, both the mom and I started to feel a little fevered. We thought that was kind of strange. Maybe we'd picked up a bug, whatever. And we went, you know, our separate ways that evening. I went to the hotel. And through the night, it turns out I had been bitten by a mosquito, the same mosquito that bit her. We got the exact same problem at the exact same time. Uh, We didn't know what was going on at first, but I can tell you now that it's a thing called chikungunya. Say that for me. Chikungunya. It sounds like a asshole. Chikungunya. But anyway, it sounds like a dish, you know, chicken teriyaki. Um, It was a most interesting night, a horrible night. My nose turned blue and swole up. My vision got so good that I didn't need glasses, which was lovely, but um, the blue nose, not so much. My hands turned into clubs. My feet turned into clubs. Both turned blue. I was in so much pain and so fevered. And, of course, should have probably seen a doctor, but I'm pulling out everything I've got with my elbows because I can't use my hands. And I can't walk, even to the bathroom. I mean, it was really a rough night. And I'm, you know, going through my purse, dumping things every moment that I'm kind of able. I can't sleep. I'm very awake. Um, 
and I find garlic, and I find some vitamin C, and I, you know, I'm kind of going through even the bottom of the purse, different vitamins that have fallen to the bottom at different times, trying to create a concoction. And um, I did manage to make it through the night, and then the next day, uh, get an attendant to phone them, and turned out the mom was going through the same thing. And so she went to the doctor. I did not because I just really didn't have it in me to get out of bed. If if you knew me or know me, you know that this is rare. No matter what happens, I've had a mini stroke and gone to work the next day. So I, not going to work was a big deal, but I couldn't have. There was no possibility. So this is my setup for Stories from the Road. We'll talk about later how that all comes together and what that ended up meaning and how that affects today's show um, and where that applies to autism at the end. So remember, you always have to stay. That's my cliffhanger. You have to stay to the end to hear stories from the road. Meanwhile, today's guest is marvelous and exactly in tune with the subject matter. Her name's Maria Rickard Hahn. She's a, I don't even know what this means. She's an AADP. That's going to be question number one. What the heck is that? It's a certified holistic health uh, counselor. That may be what that means. We'll find out. Who received her training in over 100 dietary theories from the Institute of Integrated, Integrative Nutrition. She teaches clients dietary recovery from symptoms of autism. Ooh, now we know how it fits in. ADHD, allergies, asthma, SPD, OCD. And if you don't know what all those things are, I do. Uh, we'll show them with you as we go. Just let me read her stuff here. Reflux, fatigue, IBS, autoimmune, and diabetes. She's a board member, director of social media, and blogger for Epidemic Answers. A 501c3 nonprofit whose goal is to help parents recover their children from chronic illnesses like autism, which is a statement in and of itself calling autism a chronic illness. ADHD, SPD, allergies, asthma, acid reflux, chronic ear infections, OCD, la 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 la, all these wonderful things that we'd like to get rid of. She's recovered her sons, this is an important piece, from sensory processing disorder, which is often, by the way, uh, mistaken for autism and vice versa, asthma, allergies, acid reflux, and eczema. And for those of you who don't know, the eczema, asthma, um, allergies are very often seen as a triad in autism. So that's an interesting connection right there. For more information, you can check her out while we're going to ask her where to go for that. Okay. Hi, Maria. Thank you for being here. Hi. Thank you. Hey, did I like keep you interested? Yes. I love your story. Good, because we're hoping that that's what we're doing for people. (laughs) All right. So what's AADP? That's the American Association of Drugless Practitioners. So what I do is I help people recover their health without pharmaceuticals, without drugs. Oh, that's marvelous. Yeah, there's a whole lot that you can do with diet and nutrition and supplements. Well, no, I think it's just marvelous that there's such a thing as the AADP. I mean, that's awesome. (laughs) There's got to be some kind of counterbalance to what's going on with the whole pharmaceutical-driven, you know, healthcare system. Oh, yeah, yeah, and and I'm going to really try and not get into all of that stuff that they're trying to do to shut all that down because we'll get political, and I'd rather get into answers from parents. But, um, you know, that's the first thing that pops to mind. Hey, we could talk about this. Um, Okay, so talk to me a little bit about your story. If you recovered your sons, I assume you're like many of us, ended up in this world because you had issues at home. Yes, absolutely. Um, Do you want to know, like, how it all started from the beginning? 
Okay, Tell me your well, story. <laughs> my story. I used to work on Wall Street. I was an equity research analyst. Uh, had a very stressful pregnancy. I worked twelve-hour days, and had a difficult labor, and um, definitely had some issues with with the with labor. Uh, my son had a an APGOR score of five out of nine when he was born. Uh, they couldn't find his heartbeat to begin with for a while and stopped labor and then started it and so he had all these issues got meconium in his lungs had to have it suctioned out but after all that was done he seemed fine and then when he was three months old he started having this goo coming out of his eye and it turned out it was an ear infection so not knowing anything you know take him to the doctor they gave him antibiotics Mm -hmm. and then um, he'd been projectile vomiting ever since he was a little baby ever since he was a newborn, and by the time that I introduced solid foods, it got worse, and he wouldn't eat, and I would have him eat like uh, 10 Cheerios and two bites of yogurt, and that would take me an hour to try to get that into him, and then he would throw it all up, and I'd go to the pediatricians, and I'm like, something's wrong, you know, he's not eating, he's throwing it up, and they're like, oh, you know, it's a weak gag reflex, he'll grow out of it, and, you know, don't worry about it. He's doing fine. And then when he was eight months old, he didn't really crawl. He sort of slithered backwards. Uh, He didn't walk until he was 20 months old. And this was a month before my second son was born. And in the meantime, when he was um, 18 months old, he had actually lost weight. So he had gone from the 50th percentile at birth to the third percentile, and that's when one of the pediatricians finally threw up a red flag, even though I'd been saying something this whole time that something was wrong, and um, told me to take him to McDonald's, give him Pediasure, and, you know, still said, don't worry about the weak gag reflex. Yeah, I think that's such funny advice. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of moms can probably identify with this. Well, of course I can, of course I can. And you know what? In all fairness to the doctors, Mm -hmm. they probably solve a lot of problems that way by saying, don't stress about it, be relaxed, it'll be fine. Mm -hmm. Because very often things do just turn out, sort of figure themselves out. So in all fairness to the doctors, we are the ones stuck talking about it when it didn't work out. But mm-hmm. there's ones where it did. Anyways, go on with your story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so he he had lost weight, and uh, I guess fast forward to about when he was three years old, and uh, we had had a nanny for the first year of my second son's life to help out, and I'm glad that I did because um, when she left to have her own baby, then I had the two of them, and that's when my son's sensory issues really came to the fore. And I had always known that he was a little off. He'd always been, he had really bad hypotonia. He was like a little rag doll. Mm-hmm. Like you'd hold him, and he would just sort of flop over. Mm-hmm. And that had a lot to do with his not walking until he was 20 months old, which was really, really late. And um, it just, it really exploded when he went to preschool. And it it took quite a few months to figure out what was going on, but I knew something wasn't right. And um, the next pediatrician that we went to said, uh, referred us to a behaviorist who sent us over to an occupational therapist who gave them the evaluation, said, yes, he's got sensory processing disorder, like, very badly. It had gotten to the point where I couldn't take him to grocery stores. 
uh, because it was too loud. It was just too overwhelming for him. He would just have a meltdown like five, ten minutes into it. Maybe I could get halfway through it. Um, the lights were too bright. It was just all too much for him. And, uh, you know, it's it's very isolating to be like that. You have to stay at home a lot, and it's hard to get him socialized. But after working with a therapist, she definitely helped. I mean, she helped build up his core muscles and work on the vestibular um, sense, you know, that had contributed to his motion sickness. And he so was is that what kid. led you, is, is her having some positive effect, what led you to become interested in um, yourself following up on more alternative therapies? Yeah, yeah. It all sort of led from one thing to another. And so I would sit there and I would ask her, it's like, why is this going on? And, you know, she was saying that it's sort of an epidemic and she's got so many kids with needs and she can't get to them all the time. You know, she would love to, but there's just so many of them out there and it's growing. And um, so I just continued to look for answers. Meanwhile, I had my own health problems because my son's sensory issues were so bad and he would just cry and cry and cry and cry for hours a day. And it's like, it's so... I just couldn't do anything about it, and it's so disempowering. It's like as a mom, you want to be able to do something, and you can't, and your child is hurting and in pain and is throwing up all the time, and uh, it's just not a good situation. So I just had to keep looking, and so my health went downhill. I got middle-of-the-night insomnia. I got shingles twice. I got bronchitis. I never had this kind of stuff before. Um, I was just horribly fatigued and um, went to my own doctor for mostly for the insomnia because it wasn't helping that I wasn't getting any sleep. It was just making me really irritable and then my son's crying at me all the time. And, uh, you know, and then I still have my my baby as well to, to take care of. And I'm sure a lot of moms out here have been through the same thing. And um, my gynecologist gave me Ambien, and he gave me Zoloft. And the Ambien so now you've got, let's see, you've got antibiotics, pediatric, yeah. McDonald's, Ambien, and Zoloft. Okay, this is yeah. pretty mainstream. This is a mainstream world you're in, girlfriend. Very Go mainstream. On. So I uh, tried the Ambien, and it didn't work uh, because Ambien doesn't help you uh, stay asleep. It helps you fall asleep. And I wasn't having problems falling asleep. So I did, started to do my own research. I'm like, this isn't working. I need to do something. Maybe I need to go to a sleep planner. But um, I discovered that magnesium deficiency can lead to that. And so um, I tried it. I said, let me, this is a simple enough supplement to take. Seems very safe. I took it, and it worked. And I was no longer waking up for two to three hours at night. <laughs> it didn't take the fatigue away, but at least it got that one little thing going away. So then... I started researching on my other issues because I also started having female issues too, which I never had before. Like my cycle length went down from 28 days to 21 days and all over the place. I had uterine fibroids. I had ovarian cysts. I never had this kind of problem. And so it sort of forced me into a premature perimenopause, honestly. And um, so doing research on that end on myself and then... Um, my son had worked with the original, the land-based OTE, as I call her, for six months, did really well with her. And then at, after that, he started work with working with an aquatic OTE, and she started telling me about Athena Odin and Sally Goddard-Blythe, who do research into retained reflexes. And a lot of kids with autism, developmental delays, sensory processing, ADHD, 
Um, they have retained reflexes. They should have been inhibited when they were babies, but they're not. And so uh, if you have, like my sons have, a retained symmetric tonic neck reflex, <laughs> you can go look it up and read it. But one of the things <laughs> that it makes it hard for them to do is uh, to be able to swim properly because they, their head has to be in a certain position and um, their legs just don't work the same. And it also affects crossing the midline. And so I learned a lot about that, and it just really got me interested. I'm like, wow, this is fascinating. And then uh, we also started doing Taekwondo because, uh, you know, they can cross the midline when they do that, and it helps with balance and coordination. And this is a kid who, you know, before when he was at preschool, or even before that, he would not go on slides, he would not go on swings, he wouldn't go on anything that moved because it was just too much. It would set him out of balance too much. And so we really started working on his vestibular system and my younger son's too. And I realized he had something of a problem too when I tried to take him swimming to like a mommy and me baby class and I'm holding him in the water and he's like, I'm falling, I'm falling. I'm like, no, you're not. I've got my arms around you. You're not going anywhere. And I realized he's probably got uh, some of the same vestibular issues. So we had to do all sorts of vestibular exercises and it definitely helped. And so, okay. you know, so. muscles, yeah. So I'm going to interrupt because I'm going to have to do a little reminder to everyone what the heck they're listening to. Um, okay. But to, before I go there, just everybody, I know this sounds exhausting, but it sounds exhausting because you're probably dealing with it. This, the exact same story, this unfolding, this one therapy after another, one discovery after another, one learning after another with each of your children, with, each, with yourself, with your entire family. And I love how Maria is explaining how one thing leads to another, leads to another. Remember... When you stand back and tell your story, it always sounds like so very much, but you just live it one moment at a time. So stay with us and hear how she wrapped all those moments into something that actually is working and worked for her. You are listening to A New Spin on Autism Answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host. And we have a wonderful guest today. Today our theme of the show is Are All the Answers in the Brain and can it think when it's inflamed? And you're about to find out how inflammation fits into all this stuff that's come already. Stay with us because we're going to have OK, 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 the great guest giveaway. And of course, we're going to complete it all with stories from the road. Today's guest is Maria Rickard Hong, and she has been through as much and more and the same as y'all. And she's come up with some answers. So let's find out what she has to share. So how did all that lead to you writing the Discover 12 Powerful Ways to Reduce Inflammation Hmm. report? How did it all end up with that being the thing you decided to write a report on and and get out there in the world? All right. So uh, I guess the the next step that I took uh, that's sort of leading to that report is uh, when my son was four we had gone to L.A., and uh, that's when, I don't know if you remember, it was three years ago, and they had these horrible wildfires. Mm-hmm. That were, and um, my husband's family lives in the valley, and so there was this horrible smoke for a week. And we came back, and my son had a horrible asthma attack, and it was scary enough to where the pediatrician was calling and you know, seeing if he was okay and if we needed a radiologist and do we need to take him to the emergency room and put him on a nebulizer and uh, Zopinex and 
uh, after that, inhaled steroids, and I'm thinking, this is just not a good way to live. It scares me. He could die immediately. And um, I had started to see a nature path for myself to help with my problems. And so I decided, you know, he's really helped me so far. Um, hadn't got me, gotten me completely out of the woods yet, but it was definitely making progress. And um, as far as the things that he had told me to do with my diet and my lifestyle and the supplements that he was giving me. So I decided to bring my son and just to see what he could do. And so he, um, the first thing when he saw my son, he's like, take out the dairy. Sure enough, I mean, this is the kid who up until that point, or up until he was two and a half years old, uh, would throw up after every single meal. And finally, the pediatrician gave him Prevacid when he was two and a half years old. And um, so he wasn't throwing up anymore, but I didn't like the fact that he was on Prevacid. Uh, I just I just don't like him being on pharmaceuticals, especially that, because it lowers the stomach acid. You actually get more sick because of it. So uh, took him off of dairy, and uh, lo and behold, he wasn't throwing up anymore, and his brother wasn't either because his brother had the same issue. And I'm thinking, that's it? That's all that it was? They're just taking out dairy? And so I started to do more research <laughs> and <laughs> found out, you know, with a lot of these chronic diseases, I mean, truly, if it's chronic, then there's inflammation going on. And so one of the ways that you can reduce that, as you were talking about in your story to India, is looking for vitamin C. I mean, that's a great antioxidant, so antioxidants control the inflammation. Um, and I had written a blog about this a few months ago about how my son had eczema and how I used the GAPS diet. I don't know if you've heard of that one, but mm-hmm. it was yep. it's uh, Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride, and it's called the Gut and Psychology Syndrome, and she recovered her own son uh, from autism with it. And um, so I'd been using the GAPS diet to um, help my son's eczema because he had had like the worst eczema he'd ever had. It was just all over him. And, um, you know, I tried steroids long ago, and, you know, after I'd done my research, I'm like, I just don't want to give them steroids because it suppresses the immune system. A lot of these kids who do that are going to end up with asthma later on because it gets suppressed, and it's got to come out somehow. And so I wasn't willing to do that anymore, and I bit the bullet, did the GAPS diet, and my son had been on it for about two or three uh, weeks before he had some uh, gluten-free, dairy-free chocolate cupcakes that I'd made for him at school because they're always having birthday parties at school. And, you know, that's always a a minefield for parents who have kids who have some kind of allergy. And um, so he, I'd had some of those for him at the nurse's office, and, you know, he went down to get himself one, and he ate it. He came home, and he was swollen uh, so badly, and I have pictures of it on the blog. You can take a look at it. (laughs) And um, welts all over him. And what I did was I gave him vitamin C and I gave him fish oil, uh, cod liver oil, because those are both very uh, anti-inflammatory. And within 30 minutes, the swelling was gone. And I'm like, this is magic. This is wonderful. (laughs) And so that was really the inspiration for writing that report. And so, you know, just looking into other things that control control inflammation. So it's got a lot to do with uh, herbs and spices like turmeric. When you were in India, turmeric would have been a good one. Oh, really turmeric's good one. my best friend, actually. <laughs> yeah, a really good one for you to have. Um, and then you can 
uh, get what's called an oil change and um, change up the types of oils that you cook and eat with. And in fact, plant oils are very inflammatory and not a lot of people know about that. Um, I do not recommend that people eat um, plant oils unless they are cold processed and never heated and you don't heat them because they are unsaturated fats. And unsaturated fats, when you heat them, will actually create inflammation. And so that's one of the main things that you can do. So now all I do when I cook, I use saturated fats. I use animal fats. I use coconut oil. I use lard, butter, ghee, things like that. Exactly. Yeah, chicken smalts. You know, I can get duck fat where I am, which is really tasty. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, I have such a story. When I was, like, 14 years old, I had a boyfriend that was going steady with my first boyfriend, and I went over to visit at his house, and his dad was sitting there, and he had loose dentures, and he was eating duck fat, like, straight out of the jar. Oh, really? <laughs> like, crazy. It was so gross. <laughs> as soon as you say duck fat, I'm like, okay, not that one. I'm not doing that one. I'll do the rest. <laughs> if you cook something in it, it, it tastes good. I, I wouldn't recommend eating these. That would be kind of gross. Yeah, <laughs> especially when you're 14 and trying to look cute. Exactly. So, okay. So, did did you just then educate yourself as you went? And yes. Did you quit Wall Street? And uh, I quit when my son was born because I mean, uh, you know, a 12-hour day is like normal. Yeah. And if I were to leave at six o'clock, they would be right. saying, "Where are you going?" Right. And I'm like, uh, "Excuse me, I got a baby." <laughs> so right, it's just. Right. So then as you learned and you learned and you learned, when did you decide to become uh, certified and and get involved? A holistic health counselor? Yeah, well, I'd been working for Epidemic Answers. So um, if I can talk about that a little bit, I'll sort of go into the Yeah, please do, because we've we've only got about four minutes, so I'd love you to kind of wrap it up and tell us. Oh, four minutes. Oh, wow. Sorry, I didn't realize. Yeah, Um, plug it in, plug it in. Tell tell us about... That, and um, you've told us a lot about inflammation. You've armed Mm -hmm. the moms. So now tell us about the organization a bit. Yeah, so Epidemic Answers was founded by Beth Lambert, and she wrote the book called A Compromised Generation, and she talks about why we're seeing such an epidemic of autism, ADHD, allergies, asthma, and all these autoimmune diseases that you see in kids. And um, our kids have been recovered, and, you know, that's something that we need to get out there. And so I had been blogging for them um, for a little over half a year. And, uh, I mean, I, she and I are very much in sync about the way that we think. And so I'm thinking, you know, this is, uh, I, I really want to help people, but I would end up just going to people and just sort of like regurgitating all this information for hours. And they would just say, ah, I'm overwhelmed. And so I'm like, i got to find some way to help me break it down for them. So I thought becoming a health coach would actually help me work with them in a way that they could work this into their lives and see good lasting change. And so that's how I ended up at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. Well, and, 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 and has last, that worked out for you that way? I do it feel has. like you now. Yeah, awesome. I love it. Awesome. And the last because you're plug, a font of information, by the way, it just rolls off your tongue. <laughs> I've got so many ideas. The last plug that I want to make is that Epidemic Answers is actually making a documentary film, and we're going to show what it's like for kids to be recovered. We're going to show what they're like before they start, uh, as they're going through the process, and then afterwards. So that's be wonderful. looking for that in a few years. <laughs> yeah, no, that's wonderful. Um, and then talk about yourself, how people can find you in case they want your personal help. 
If people want to find me, they can go to my website, which is www.mariarickert, R-I-C-K-E-R-T, Hong, H-O-N-G.com. That's one word. I'm also on Facebook at Maria Rickert Hong Nutritional Healing. I'm on Twitter, Maria Rickert. I'm on Pinterest, Maria Rickert. <laughs> I'm we on Google+. We'll, Plus. we'll be able to find <laughs> you. I'm out there, yeah. Just type in my name and it'll pop up. Okay. So, Maria, this is your chance to say to all these moms who've listened to your whole story, it's very inspirational and very informative. Thank you for sharing. We really appreciate having you on. Um, but this is sort of your moment to say something to them personally, anything you want that you think is uh, like a jewel, you know? mostly that recovery is possible. I'm not saying that it's guaranteed. Please don't take me to, you know, for saying that. Uh, I'm not going to guarantee that it is, but it is possible. There are lots of things you can do. There are so many different kinds of systems to be worked on that would help improve um, your child's function or even your own health. So, you know, looking at the adrenal function or the thyroid function or the gastrointestinal system, looking at all these different things. I mean, it all, as you know, the gut leads to the brain. And so helping heal one part of the body will help heal other parts of the body. So look at it like that. Awesome. The way I look at it is if you can get sick, you can get better. That's true. <laughs> I like there that. you go. Thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed having you as a guest. And Thank maybe you. you can come back another time. Sure. Hello, guys. This is so exciting. That was Maria Rickard-Hong talking to us about inflammation and how inflammation leads to so many horrible things. And I'm going to tell you how that all winds up in my stories from the road. But first, we're going to do a new spin on the Great Guest Giveaway, because today, the OKOK Great Guest is not going to give away. In fact, we can barely get her here today. I love that you're laughing. Okay, okay, here's the thing. The girl that we're going to talk to for the Great Guest Giveaway that's not going to give away is Jennifer St. Jude. Now, St. Jude, I don't know what you know about St. Jude. That's not Judas. Judas is a whole other thing. But St. Jude was sometimes thought to be the brother of Jesus Christ. Now, I got thinking about that. I was like, well, what can we make with that? How can we play with that a little bit? I didn't come up with anything, so we're just going to talk to her. No, (laughs) actually, I'm kidding. I did come up with one teeny little thing. Um, and it's a crazy thing. So you just gotta, you just gotta remember, I'm a little crazy, and just go with me on it. But my children have often said to me, "You're like Jesus Christ." And at one point, I, and I'm sure I'm not because I definitely am female. But um, I, I did at one point in a play say that I wanted to be Jesus. You know, and I took the pose of the the cross and all that. And we talked about martyrdom, and it was a really fun play that we did in prisons all over North America. So um, it has become a a household callback. Now, Jennifer being the brother of Christ, I think she's my sister. And the reason I think that is because I have never before done this where somebody's email comments are just so interesting and fun and in tune with how I think and I I just want to laugh all the time and so I just want to be her friend well I guess that's what Facebook's for right I just want to be her friend and I want you to want to be her friend but the problem is she doesn't want to talk so it's really hard to do a podcast without talking so (laughs) she's like yikes yikes I can't do it I can't talk so if she doesn't talk I'll keep talking and she'll keep laughing and you'll think you met her 
<laughs> okay? okay. So this is Jennifer St. Jude, the girl I want to be friends with. Hi. Thanks for coming. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. <laughs> it's actually, and St. Jude is actually uh, more appropriately known as the patron saint of hopeless cases, which <laughs> it fits better than the brother of Jesus Christ, but... But I'll take it. Oh, come on. It's true. All right. So, do you feel like any kind of relationship with your name? Uh, It was just a thought. You don't have to have a yes or a no to it. Uh, Okay. Do I feel a resume? You know, I. um, Yes. Okay, I want to help you with. I'm going to help. I'm going to help you here. Jennifer is an Aspie, and she. No, 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 Audie. Go ahead, say it again. Well, Audie, there's Asperger's and, and high-functioning autism, and actually, um, I I fit more into the high-functioning autism group. Beautiful. Tell us why. Um, because of uh, well, I mean, there's why why the criteria says why, and then there's why I think why. Um, but uh, the, according to the criteria, um, I, I didn't have well, I didn't have speech until I was about uh, maybe five, uh, five and a half, and um, and then it was really basic, just you know yes, no, whatever, and, and usually those I just sort of answered based on what I sort of thought you wanted me to say, and it, it wasn't until about ten that I I distinctly remember like being able to create a whole sentence and be able to say more, um, but and then it took till about twenty to really um, begin to really start the process that I think probably most people start at like three. So, you know, just being interested and engaging in a, in a verbal conversation to accomplish something. So, but um, as far as what I think, um, I, I, it's just my take on it, but I've met people, different people on the spectrum, and I find that those that are classified um, with Asperger's tend to be more outgoing, and it seems like all their we share the same issues, but it seems like theirs get manifested externally, and minds and, and people with high-functioning autism kind of internalize everything. So I, I feel like we're more inclined to shut down, withdraw, pull away, um, disengage, where people with Asperger's are, seem to me to more inclined to, um, you know, talk a lot, say a lot, and kind of externalize things. And I, I feel very different from them when I'm in, in their presence. Although we share the same issues, I don't feel like we're similar, you know, but, so. Very cool. Uh, you know what, I think you just answered something that a lot of people are always wondering about, which is what is the difference between high-functioning autism and Asperger's? So much to your chagrin, you have just added a great deal to my podcast and already been brilliant. Why, thank you. My work here is done. <laughs> Can I go now? I have to, I have to give the audience um, an understanding of why I'm talking to you the way I am, and you know that goes back to the not talking till you were older. You also didn't want to talk on this podcast and seemed very uh, frightened of it, while at the same time moving towards it, which I commend you for greatly. And I kept saying to <laughs> Jen, I kept saying, "Well, if you don't if you don't say anything, I'm just going to read all your really funny emails, <laughs> and then it's it's going to be fantastic no matter what." So what was your greatest fear about today? Um, I think it's the same fear I have in the world, which is just, um, you know, having a thought, having an opinion, having a response, and not being able to get it out, 
make it happen. And I, I think for me, um, and probably others that I can relate to, um, you know, part of the problem is that um, my brain and, you know, verbal processing and auditory processing happens a lot slower than the world. And so, you know, while the world is speaking and exchanging thoughts and ideas a lot faster, I'm, I'm like sort of seconds behind. And, and I'm not used to people being patient, and um, I don't think anybody is. Um, it's rare that someone will say, well, take your time, don't worry, um, you know, think about it or it's okay and not interrupt you and try to answer for you or move on or you know I, I started a lot with that when I was um, growing up so well and again I hate to tell you this but you've just helped everybody because um, that's something you've even read my post about that people have to wait part of the technique, the way of helping somebody who's coping with this kind of processing disorder is waiting. I mean, that's your job. You ask the question, now wait. Yeah, and it doesn't happen. Um, even I found even with therapists, I mean, now I'm working with someone who's awesome, and she, she gets it, and she patiently waits without the uncomfortable silence. Like, she just sort of sits back, and her world slows down to kind of be in sync. And, but um, even therapists would you know, jump in and try to help you answer the question and help you finish the sentence. And it's, and it's almost, I mean, it, I, I don't know what it feels like in childhood, but once you get to be an adult and you have your own thoughts and you have your own answers and you have your own end of the sentences, when someone does that, it feels um, disrespectful. Like as if you're an idiot and you don't know how to complete, you know, you don't know how to do this, you don't know how to finish this. And I guess if I didn't know how to do it, I would appreciate the help. But because I do know how to do it, I just need more time, I, I feel kind of um, insulted by it, I guess, in a way. Not, not, not terribly. I don't, I don't, you know, feel angry at the person or anything. But, you know, it kind of takes a little nick out of my self-esteem. So. Yeah, no, I, I, I fully concur on that one. I think um, that a lot of the time when we see the kids having meltdowns and real issues or self-abusive behavior, it's sort of a... And, and I'm not talking about just when the physiology goes crazy and, and your body feels numb and you've got to hit it to get some kind of sensation. That's a separate thing. Yeah. But when, um, when it feels like the world just won't keep pace with you or at least allow you a place to be okay within your style, um, I think it just gets overwhelming. And the kids fight back. They're like, let me have a voice. Let me have a voice. And everyone's saying, where's your voice? Where's your voice? Where's your voice? <laughs> Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's frustrating, I think, for, um, you know, I, I can, you know, I can relate, I guess, to some degree. Um, I, I do those same meltdowns in an adult version, and, and of course, I'm, you know, more functioning than, than probably, you know, I, I mean, I have more language abilities definitely now um, than maybe I did when I was younger. Um, and again, when I was younger and that stuff happened, I just shut down, internalized, and lost my voice. And I, the only way to make peace and not go crazy was to withdraw from you. It was like, if you were going to insist that we do this dance, and, and, and then because I was out of sync, you're going to start screaming at me and insisting that I keep pace and doing it, you know, then the best really course of action for me is to withdraw from that exchange um, because it hurts. And, and so even now it happens um, <clears throat> when, 
I think I think it, it's a kind of a, a group of things. I mean, it's it, um, I had some behavioralists come to the house for my children. My children also have autism, and um, I had a behavioralist at the house, and she was training another behavioralist. So it was two people, and then um, my uh, their other parent came in, and then I think there was someone else here, and I just wanted to scream, and it was just too much input, and my daughter was freaking out, and they were like on her about some behavior, and um, I could feel it rising, and I could see her rising, and I just, I just felt like I lost control of my sensory, you know, um, environment, and, you know, I started out with the adult skills and scripts that I've learned of like, I really need you to leave, um, I'm just a little overwhelmed, you know, and I was real calm, and people weren't really responding, and so I was getting louder and, um, you know, and more, like, panicked and direct. And I think at some point when I felt like I lost the ability to save myself from meltdown and overload, I just lost it and started screaming, get out, get out, you know, with explosives in there. And, um, and you know, <laughs> just throwing them out of the house, like, get out, get out, you know. And it was humiliating but um, I see I see that in young people who are trying to say this is too much I can't do this I need to stop they just don't have all the language to uh, accomplish that and you know parents are pushing uh, make eye contact use your voice do this do that you know hug me touch you know but it's just and they just lose it and their words don't have power and I guess I'd lose it too you know yes yes and thank you for that description um, and I hope that there is a lot of therapists listening and going, okay, remember, slow down. And it, it really is um, familial. You don't. I have never gone into a home where there is somebody who has some form of autism, where the other members of the home don't have something, whether it's ADHD or dyslexia or depression or about, you know. So everybody's coping. When you walk into somebody's home to help them, you have to help them, and that means in the way that they need. And so they should <coughs> listen to you. you like you said, you did your adult scripting that you learned, so if they were listening, you wouldn't have had to get to the meltdown. So I'm sorry, but maybe the embarrassment doesn't belong on you. I will give you a little trick, though. I was, I was having a meltdown of sorts um, when I was raising my kids, and I was in a, you know, I don't like to call it that, so I'll, let's call it a, a melt-up. Um, <laughs> okay, I'm just yelling at this lady. I was yelling at this, this supposed therapist in, uh, in the school, and it was, you know, we were in a private room. We are supposed to be having a meeting, and, and I'm, like, I'm like livid, right? And I'm, I'm pacing and, and venting, and, um, and she very quietly put her stuff together and left the room and didn't engage with me at all. And I loved her for that because it was, she modeled something that, that I had never had modeled before. <laughs> And so now, mm-hmm. if even in your own home, you could say, okay, kids, let's go. And you could all leave them there. You could say, let's go. <laughs> and you would, honestly, you would have created a visual for them that would impact them and how they teach people for years. So I give that to you as a gift, Jennifer. We actually already did all our time. Look how easy that was. I have Sweet. one question. Yeah, there you go. I have one question for you uh, simply about inflammation because we have kind of a theme going in the show. And mm-hmm. I thought, let's just ask Jennifer if she's ever checked on that. And if the answer is no, then that's fine, too. But have okay. you ever checked to see if you have inflammation or your children have it? I'm sorry, if I have what? Inflammation, you know, like where... Oh, um, inflammation. So- I thought you said inflammation, and I'm like, oh. I, you know, I, have, I have some information on what? 
yeah, you know, I, well, yeah, I think that um, I, you know, again, my opinion, uh, I'm not do, I haven't done this forever, but um, I think some of the, you know, the allergies and the gluten stuff, you know, causes a lot of inflammation and stuff, and um, we've made attempts to address that and um, and eliminate some of those things that can cause it. Um, as far as um, curing it and things like that, I, I'm not, I haven't gotten that far. But I have found a, a, just a marketable difference in our experience and everything, and even physically. Um, you know, joint pain, all that stuff has been eliminated by, um, you know, getting rid of some of the causes. So. Awesome. And from there, I'm going to jump into stories from the road. Jennifer, you rocked. Do you want to stay with me while I close the show, or you want to go? Okay. Okay. That was Jennifer St. Jude, and before that, we had Maria Rickard Hong, very hard to say, Marie Rickard Hong, and um, we're talking about inflammation today, so it is time for me to wrap that all together in stories from the road. Okay, so you remember how I told you at the very beginning about going to India and get bit, getting bitten by the mosquito, and my hands turned blue and turned into like hoofs and my nose got really big and blue and my vision cleared and I was super, super sick. So I got through those first few days and I had the thing called chikungunya and um, I managed to fly home. You know, I went back, I worked with the child for a day, I flew home. I'm completely at this point covered in a rash that I'm hiding because the bird flew's out. I don't want anyone to know that I have a fever. I'm not contagious. I don't feel like being quarantined so I'm eating tons and tons of ibuprofen and um, and I make it home, and everything's, you know, hunky-dory. Well, I'm going to spare you a lot of this story, but this is a chronic, develops into a chronic illness that you have for life, apparently. And um, one night, it seemed like I had gotten all better. My daughter's gotten married. I've managed to do all these things, even as I was sick, and then I got a little better and better, and I'm fine. And I'm laying in bed, and all of a sudden, it feels like someone has a sledgehammer, and they're smashing me with this sledgehammer. And I, I mean, my daughter was sleeping with me at the time because she was visiting and we're snuggling. And, um, and so all of a sudden her mom starts going, holy F, holy F, ow, ow. And it was, I must have looked so crazy. So I was in so much pain. By the morning my inflammation markers were so high I was paralyzed. I couldn't move. And I couldn't move to go to the doctor to be tested for inflammation. It was just really bad. This came and went. It would come on me like that hard, and it would be cured as if you were pouring the sand out of something. I could feel the pain go away. And it would, you know, it would be three days, five days, two days, whatever it felt like being in this state where I was either paralyzed or could barely make it down the stairs like a really old person who needs a walker. And I looked up all kinds of things about it to try to figure out what it was, and I figured out it's inflammation, and I started taking tons of turmeric and vitamin C and all these things. And I'm looking in, on Google trying to find the one bit of information that says I don't have to have this for the rest of my life because that's how I do things. I look for that glimmer of hope, and then I chase that light. And I found that, you know, that some people who get it at my age can get over it like a, you know, 0.1% or something. I go, that's me. And I keep dealing with this. So I, at this time, had never really understood 
my one son's inability to do very many things, like open a jar at certain times. One day he can open it, the next day he can't. One day he can dress, the next day he can't. So while I was going through this, here's this man-child of mine who's so inflicted, afflicted, and, and he's doing stuff that nobody would know to do unless they had the same problem. He's sleeping beside my bed on the floor because it would hurt me to be touched. He's helping me, helping me get my shirt on and showing me that you use your wrists and not your fingers because they hurt too much. And together we're opening a jar. You know, one of us has our hand. I'm trying to, I'm doing it, you know, and you can't see. So you put the jar between your forearms and let the other person try to turn it because your hands aren't working. So as I went through this and I started to solve it for me, miracle of miracles, I started to solve it for him because I finally had the universe, God, Jesus, (laughs) St. Jude, I don't know. Somebody pointed me to inflammation at this kind of heavy load in such a way that I couldn't ignore it anymore. And so we are now uh, inflammation-crazy family members who take tons of turmeric and vitamin C, and we, every time there's something new, we try that, and, and I'm pain-free. And my son has many skills. He's finally able to operate things like the microwave and little, little tiny things that he could never operate because his hands wouldn't behave. And in all the years when everyone called it fine motor, nobody had told me inflammation, at least not that really made this as clear as it needed to be. And then, of course, I've learned of many people who've actually healed their children from autism by really attacking inflammation. So that is my answer today. That is my gift to you today. Please, you know, at least play with this a little bit. There's some really good-for-you ways of keeping the inflammation markers down, and you will be surprised at how much it helps. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, and this is a new spin on autism, Answers. Thank you for being with me today, because without you, I would just be talking to myself. Thank you for joining the show today. Lynette is the author of the refreshingly honest and at times hilarious new book, Miracles Are Made, A Real-Life Guide to Autism. You can purchase this and other materials by looking on the webtalkradio.net website and clicking on the covers. You can also click through to her Facebook page and check out any show you may have missed by looking in the archives. We'll see you soon for another edition of a new spin on autism. Answers. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. I can't hear you.